So good morning. Um, good morning. Um, my my name is is Joseph. Um, I'm one of the. I I recently became an elder here. Um, as as many of you know, Pastor Glenn, um, who usually does the teaching, is is away right now. And um, actually, the next few weeks are going to be a series of elders from the church and um, visiting. Um, members from other church are, are going to come do, do the next few teachings. And uh, we're, we've, we've been going through the Psalms, and, and we just started, I think, last week with, with Glenn, started on Psalm 1 and 2. And um, thankfully, Glenn, uh, we're not going one by one, and Glenn let me pick my own Psalm um, because it, yeah, that makes it a little bit easier for me. But so we're, we're in Psalm 27, and, and the title of the sermon is The One Thing. Um, so... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the psalm. If you have your, your Bibles, open them. Psalm 27. Um, or, or pull them up on your phone and we'll, re- we'll read together. Um, yeah. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Through the war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your ways, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, and false witnesses have risen up against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Um, So that's a long psalm, and there's a lot in there. Don't worry, I I will not be covering it all. Um, And before we we get into it, I'm just going to quickly pray one more time. Heavenly Father, we, we are here for you. We're here to learn from you, from your word, um, from your scripture, God. So I just pray that our ears would be open, our hearts would be soft, that we, um, yeah, that we would we'd gain something today, um, and that we would be together in your presence. Um, thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, so the, the, the psalm sort of breaks up in, in, in two, two parts, verses 1 to s- 7. Um, is David sort of making declarations of truth. He, he sort of says, you know, the Lord is my light, the one thing I have desired. He, he's kind of talking about himself, I will offer joy. Um, and then in verse 7, it switches, and he, he, he starts praying to God. He's, you know, hear me, O Lord, 
Um, do not hide. He starts talking to God, teach me your ways. Um, and that's sort of the, the prayer. And there's a, there's a bit of lamentation in there. And, and um, David's asking for things. And then it, it concludes with that you know, really powerful verse 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Um, and, and, and that's the, the, the summary of the Psalm 27. But we're going to be focused on, on actually just one verse for, for most of the, um, most of the, the day or, or um, the sermon. And, and I'll jump around a little bit, but it, it's verse 4. And um, if, we could, if we could pull up verse 4, I actually have, I, I'm reading New King James because the words are the biggest here, but I, I used NIV up here. Um, so I'll, I'll read this one more time. So the one thing from the Lord... One thing I ask from the Lord, this alone do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Um, and so this is, this is why I chose Psalm 27, uh, 27. This is one of my favorite verses. And so we're going we're to start by breaking down this verse. Um, and so the, the first thing uh, that we, we get at the start is, the one thing I ask from the Lord, this alone do I seek. And so this is, this is sort of a trigger for me. So I'm like, okay, David, you know, wrote a lot of Psalms. You know, he's called a, a man who has a heart after God and, and sort of things. And he's saying, one thing that I seek, this alone do I seek. So whatever comes next is really, really important. Um, and, and, and so that's, that's, um, that's really, you know, that, that's what, that's what triggers the, the emphasis in here. And, and um, it sort of gives this idea that, this is what we are to be pursuing. So then let's look at what he says next. And it's, it's dwell in the house of the Lord. And so, you know, in, in David's time, there was a temple where God's presence was and where you had to go to be with God. And then, you know, a few hundred years later, Jesus came and, 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 and that was changed that now we don't have to go to a temple to be with God, that we are with God always because of the Holy Spirit and that that is the presence of the Lord or the house of the Lord is no longer a place, but, but in, um, an, an idea or a concept almost. So, so this is, you know, that's the next part. The presence of the Lord is the, the acknowledgement of him. That's how, that's, the way I define it here is that the presence of the Lord is the acknowledgement of him, is when together we say, we know the Lord is with us. The Holy Spirit is with us. So that's he talks about here, that is the thing that we are pursuing is the presence of the Lord. Um, the, the next line is to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And I, I love this description, you know, God as beautiful. Because it's, um, it's, not, it's not said that often in scripture. And it, it's such an incredible word. Because to me, the beauty of God is, is so encompassing. It, it includes his goodness, his faithfulness, his holiness, his justice. There's so much that's, be- that's beautiful about God. He, you know, his creativity, the way he created us. You just go, you can go out in nature and, 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 and view, oh, look, oh, God created that. And then you can interact with one person in conversation. You can think, oh, God created them, put a spirit in them. And then, and then you can have a word from the Lord that you're just like, oh, that's unbelievable, I can't say. And then, and then it happens, and you're like, whoa, that's beautiful, the way God works out his will. So, so much of, of who God is and what he does is, is beautiful and so I, when I say gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, I say that includes the character and nature of his, who he is. It's not just a superficial, you know, looks beauty, but it's a character beauty that 
His personality, God's personality is beautiful. And that's something that's really, really important to understand, um, the, the, the beauty of God. Uh, and and the, the final thing it says is, is seek him in his temple or, or inquire him in his temple. Um, and, and to me, this is sort of the, the pursuit of, of guidance. This is um, making Jesus our king. So it's, we're going outside of, I'm going to make my own decisions, to I'm going to go to the Lord to help me make my decisions. So he is, he, he is our king. He is who we ask to advise. He's our counsel. Our counsel. Um, so to sort of sum up the breakdown of that into, into language that's, that's easy for me is the one thing, the main purpose of our lives is to pursue the presence of his God, his goodness, and his character, and then seek guidance from him. And so this is, you know, this is, I pull this out of Psalm 27, but this isn't, this isn't new. This isn't just here. You don't learn this alone here. This is all through, through scripture. You, you, you know, you see it in the New Testament and, and the Old Testament. It's, it's, it's a repeating, repeating idea. You know, you, you, you know, seek first his kingdom. You know, Glenn talked about that a few weeks ago. Mark 12:30 is, love, you know, Jesus' first commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. It's the same sort of idea of the pursuit of God, the, the book of Ecclesiastes, you know, people say it's like a sad, sort of depressing book, but it's not. It's, it's describing how everything you pursue outside, apart from God, is meaningless. And, you know, at the end, he says, the one thing I have learnt, the only thing of value is trust God and trust your king. And our king, as we'll learn, you know, as we'll talk about a bit later, is Jesus. So that, you know, this, this idea, the the, the pursuit of God's presence um, is not, yeah, this isn't, this isn't new. This isn't, and, and many of you know this. this isn't, I'm not teaching a new thing here. I'm not, I'm not coming up with new ideas. This, this is really the, the, the gospel. Um, and so for me, this idea um, was, is kind of best expl- was best explained by, by a book I read, and it was the biography of, of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who's, who's sort of a well-known theologian. Um, and he, I'm going to tell a bit of his story and then, then come back to what he said. So he, he was, grew up in a secular family, had, had wealthy parents and, and, and many older brothers who went to college to study different things, and he didn't know what he wanted to study. But it was quite, um, I can't find the word, but, you know, honoring to go study theology. If you were from a wealthy family, you went and studied theology because you could. You, you know, it's sort of like the arts, or you, you have the ability to study something outside, something that generates income. So that's what he went to do. He went as a non-believer to study theology at, at university. And um, he ended up, you know, as part of his program, traveling around to different places and, and learning about God and reading the scripture. And, and he became a Christian, and he, he um, yeah, gave his life to Jesus. And then this was in you know, 1930s, um, early 1940s, Nazi Germany. So that's, that's the time that he was in. And so he became this, you know, incredible voice of talking about, you know, how to deal with what was happening with, with, with Hitler and Nazi Germany and how, you know, parts of the church were supporting him and, and all this. And, but that's really not the point of the sermon, but, it's, you know, he has an incredible story, and I really uh, would recommend anybody reading um, a bit of his, his biography um, but one of the things that he, he, he came up with on his journey, or he, he started to observe as he traveled around um, to, to different areas uh, and churches, was um, that there's this thing that Christians do in where 
their faith is based off God answering their unknown questions. So, for example, if you don't understand how the world was created or why we exist or, or you know, all these different things, you say, ah, God did that. Now I don't have to worry about it anymore. I feel good. And then if you're worried about sickness and health or money or whatever, you're like, oh, God's got that. He's in control. He'll take care of me. Good. Now I don't have to worry about this. And you sort of create your life around you where God is a circle around your life kind of filling in all the gaps. He's, he becomes your stopgap on the outside of your life. And this kind of sounds good almost. You can think, oh, yeah, God's in control. He'll take care of these things. These are good sort of ideas that are taught in the Bible. But, but the problem he found is that when these things, when God is your stopgap for something unknown that you don't answer, when that thing changes, say you get sick, or you know, there's a new scientific discovery that explains something that you didn't know before, and then all of a sudden your, your view of God starts to get blown open. And it, it, it leads to, really, it's not what the gospel is about. So he, he, he said, you know, his, his point is that God has to be the center of your life. That your life, it's this, this image in Revelations where God is the, the middle point, that Jesus is sitting on the throne, and we are all bowing around him in a, you know, in a, in a large circle, and he is our king. He is the center of our life. So, so this is the, that idea yeah, you know, really, really struck me as this is the gospel, that we, we, must, make, we, we must make Jesus the center of our lives. And we, and we, we, we actually will talk about more about that um, even further, but I, I want to go talk about um, a few of the things that I mentioned earlier in the Psalms to a bit, bit more practically. And, and the first one is, is the presence of God and his beauty. And this is really in, important. If you don't understand that God is beautiful or God is good, you need to. You need to figure that out. You need to talk to people. You need to read your scripture. You need to spend time in worship with him. That is so important. You are not going to give your life to Jesus unless you know that he is good and beautiful. And that's, um, that's just the encouragement. That's a step. I'm, I'm not going to talk too much about how you go about doing that. The easiest way is read your, read your scripture, soften your heart, be open, listen, um, pray, and just know that God is beautiful. The, the second thing is, is the, the, the God as your king. You know, seek him in his temple, the inquire. And, and this is, I, I love this line, the kingdom of heaven is not a democracy. We don't, we're not, we don't vote for who, who leads us, right? It's a kingdom. You know, kingdom, there's one person who makes the rules, who makes the decision, and, and we are all to be submitted to him. And he's a good king, so that's why you need to know he's beautiful, because you're not going to submit to a king that you don't know is good and that you don't know their character. So, um, and, and the other part about kingship, and just so this is clear, that if God is not your king, somebody else is. And it may be yourself, maybe the world, maybe culture, maybe government, maybe whatever it is, but if God is not your king, somebody is. You are submitted to somebody. Um, and, and actually the worst person to be submitted to is your flesh, yourself. Um, and, 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 and that, to me, that's in my battle, that is the most likely alternate king, is, is myself. You know, I, 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 I have to fight off the temptation constantly to be submitted to myself. Um, and so, this sort of, I gave an example of, of worldly thinking, um, and, and this is sort of, if I can control my own life, make my own rules, and make my own decisions, I will be safe, I will be confident, and I will be elevated above others. And I'll have purpose and meaning. 
And that's, that's, that's the worldly thinking, and that, that, that's wrong. The correct way to think is to say, I give control of my life to God. I follow his rules, even the ones I don't like and don't understand. And that is where my safety, my confidence, and my purpose and meaning come from. And, and, and those, those ideas, the, the, the safety, the confidence, and the purpose and meaning are pulled from, from Psalm 27 in, in the other verses. And we'll touch more on that um, again later on. <laughs> but I just, I, I want to share, you know, I, I'm quite passionate about this. Some, some of those of you who are in my MCG uh, might know this is, this is something I kind of go on rants about um, every now and then. And, and, and the reason is, is I'm going to tell a little bit of my own story, is, and, and just quickly I'll, I'll jump. But uh, at 13 or, or 14, or I can't remember the exact age, I went to a summer camp at Anvil Island that's not too far away, and I you know, had heard the teaching, the preaching, the word, had good worship, prayed, and I, I, was, I believe in Jesus. I put my faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I, you know, that day, I believe that's when I was saved. That was my salvation. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. The problem was, is nothing changed. There was no way to distinguish me from a non-believer. I went about my life doing whatever I want or thought it right. You know, I, I thought some things were wrong and others were right, but it was basically based off who was around me. And so, so my morals were kind of defined by, by culture or my friends. And, 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 and absolutely nothing changed. I never stopped saying that I believed in God. I always held it, but I really didn't do anything. I didn't go to church. I, didn't, I only prayed before exams. I didn't read my Bible at all. And um, that, was, that was sort of my life. And then at 24, you know, through circumstance, I'm not going to get too much into it, I ended up in Youth with a Mission in Australia um, doing a discipleship training program, which is these programs they run where you go for, for six months, three months teaching school, and three months you go out into the mission field. We went... To, to Papua New Guinea um, and, and spent some time there. Um, and anyway, I, I'll, I'll give a little bit more detail. Uh, when I was in college, I, you know, I was a Christian, and there was a Christian union or a Christian group in my college. And my problem was that everybody, Christian society, that's what it was called, the Christian society, everybody who I knew was in that group was weird to me. So I sort of get this idea that Christians are weird. So I was pretty, like, I was kind of hesitant about, about you know, being labeled as a Christian. Um, and so when I went to, to YWMDTS, this is how I was thinking. I was there for a week. I was surrounded by people who, you know, were there to become missionaries or were there because they were, like, on their next journey with God. And I was kind of like, oh, geez, I don't belong here. Um, but it was, it was only about two weeks in um, where there was a time of worship and I, you know, I had a really good, good mentor who showed up and kind of saw me for who I was right away. And, and he caught on and started speaking life into me and, and all, all sorts of things. And, and a, a few weeks in his time of worship and they were singing this song about surrender. And I actually love all the songs Rudy chose today because they're, they're, they're really good and they're really fitting, but we're singing this song about surrender and it dawned on me this, this idea that the Christian life isn't solely about, you know, God loves you. You're, you're saved, grace, okay, now go out. The Christian life is this journey, this excellent, exciting, beautiful challenge of surrendering your life to God, about saying, I was born, you know, if you've, if you've ever dealt with a two-month-year-old or a young baby, they're born with their own will, and that's all they know. If you, they don't get what they want, they scream and cry. I've, I've got two really young kids, so I, I, I do know that. Um, and... <laughs> And, and that's, that's how we, we, we start. And the journey of, of our lives and the journey of 
um, discipleship and, and, and Christianity is to surrender your life to God. And that spoke to me. That changed me. That moment I was like, okay, my life is yours, God. I'm going to live for you now. And it was interesting because I find in, in a lot of people's stories, it's the grace or the love of God that, that gets people to that, to that place. And, and I think that's maybe more common or, or, or more real. But when people told me God loved me, I kind of was like, yeah, I know. Of course he does. He's God. Like, and in my head, he was good. So why wouldn't he love me? And, and it didn't really change me at all. And, and, you know, God forgives you. I'm like, well, yeah, that's who he says he is. He's going to forgive me. You know, that didn't really change me at all. But when it was submit to God, surrender to God your life, and that is the pursuit. That is what you, that is the one thing you were after. All of a sudden, I was like, oh, that's really exciting. That's what I want to do. That's the best life. Um, and, and, and the first book of the Bible that I read all the way through um, after that was the book of Ecclesiastes, which is, which is funny. And, and, and that's why I love that book is because it, it, it talks about sort of that purpose of, you know, I was pursuing all other things, you know, pursuing wealth, pursuing joy and fun and partying and, and friends and, and all those things. And I found that they were meaningless. Um, and so it just made a lot of sense to me. So that, that's my story. And I, I, I included that um, for two reasons, to explain why I'm so passionate about this. And, I, and I'm, I'm sorry if I come off at intense at any point, but it's just it's how I feel. Um, and thank you. Um, and, and the second part is that if there's anybody else who's in that same sort of boat where, you know, and, and, and I'm, there's nothing wrong with, with any of the other boats, but we're all unique. And if you're sort of like, I, I get God, I, I believe in him, but I just, there's nothing compelling me to living a life the way that he says I should live a life because I already know I'm loved and forgiven. Well, this, this is your motivation. Work it out. It's like, you know, it's the best rock climbing journey you've ever done in your life. It's the best anything you can think of, the best career, anything you can think of. This is the best. Surrendering, going through surrendering your life to God is so unbelievably fulfilling and enjoying. Um, and, and, and there's nothing like that. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking as somebody who's any of the way there, but it is, it is my goal. And I, I struggle more than, more than anybody else or, you know, as much as anybody else. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll finish up and I'll go back to Dietrich Bonhoeffer with, not, not finish up the sermon, don't worry, it's, it's going to keep going, but I'll, I'll finish up this idea to go back to a, a quote I love from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he says, salvation is free, but, the, but discipleship will cost you your life. Um, and that, that's, I, I love it, it's intense, but it, it's, it's really good. So let's, let's expand on that a little bit. Um, so salvation, and, and if you don't, you know, Let's, let's define that. Is, salvation is the gift received freely by grace from God through faith alone. Nothing can be added or taken from that. So just, just let's be clear. I'm not talking about salvation. That's from God. There's nothing you do other than faith to, to receive that. That's his gift. That's what he accomplished. Discipleship or, or sanctification, if you want to use a big word, and is, you know people define sanctification differently, but my... Di- definition is the process of going from me as the king or the world as my king to Jesus as my king. That's your, that's your sanctification journey. That's the easiest way I think about it is that the, it's the process of making Jesus your Lord, your king, who you are submitted to. And so that, that process, you know, really includes just giving up your own will, giving up your own desires, giving them over to God and trusting that his will, his desires for you 
are better than your own. And often when we go and give up these things that, you know, our heart yearns after, we give them over to God. He, he gives them back to us in new ways and better ways. So um, whatever, whatever those things are, that's, that's the process. And it's, it's daily, it's yearly. I, you know, I'm always thinking that I'm, in my head, I'm always achieving that, you know, in the next year. And so I'm, you know, dealing with something and I'm, you know, I'm getting through it. And then I get through it and then there's 10 new things. And, and, and God's so gracious in the way that he... He, you know, takes us slowly, one step at a time, and you, you, you feel like you, you make a lot of um, progress when you, when you start on this journey. Um, and that's the, this, so this is the idea of, you know, making your life, and, and Glenn talked about this, I think, two weeks ago, but we are living sacrifices to him. We are, um, to, me, to be made beautiful to him. And this is the, this, you know, this Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. And, and, you know, you read that and you're like, oh, yeah, pick up your cross and follow me. But, we, you know, you have to reflect on what that is, the cross. That was death. That was torture to your death. Punishment in front of everybody, being scorned. That's what it means to pick up your cross. That is sometimes the pain that you will go through when you say, God, your will, not mine. It's not, it, it, and it, it's, it's not easy, but it's beautiful. And when we talk about the cross and the gospel and what Jesus did for your salvation and the love that is, like, you know, and you hear somebody really passionate about it, often you, you start shivers or tears or you're, you know, this is, this is incredible. There is something amazing about what Jesus did on the cross. And that's what you're, that's what you're called to. That's your life. That you, you get to follow after your Lord in, 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 a, in a beautiful, beautiful way. Um, and, and, and I, yeah, I, I think that is so clear, but I do want to say this, and if, you were, if you've been listening to me and now you, you, you've dazed off or you're distracted, here, come back for this because it's really important. Um, this is not meant to be a burden. Jesus' burden is light. Do not hear me and think, okay, now I've got to go do a bunch of things. I've got to work. I've got to do this. I've got to discipline. I've got to, you know, this and this and this. That is not what I'm saying. That is not the goal. The idea is that it comes from desire. And so I think, you know, I'm going to use an analogy here, and it's not mine. It's, it's actually the Bible's analogy, so that's why I think it's good. Um, but it's, it's the analogy of a bride on her wedding day. And if you've, if you've been to a wedding or you've had your own wedding, in, and women usually understand this better than men, but brides spend hours, sometimes months, sometimes years preparing for that day. They want to make themselves look as beautiful as they possibly can. They, you know sometimes go on diets, they get spray tans, they do real tans, they do their hair, you know, makeup, they plan, you know, dress shopping, you know, thing after thing, there's anxiety, you know, and it's this, this just desire to be seen as beautiful to the one that they're patrolled to, to their husband. And, and, and I, I, I could never understood that before I got married. And, and once I did, I saw, I saw Jen's desire, who's listening, um, to be beautiful for me, and it, it blew me away, and I was like, oh, okay, this is what it means to be the bride of Christ, is that we don't do these things, we don't give up our lives and sacrifice because we're like, oh, this is what it says, it's obligation, okay, I just got to get on with it and do it. It's out of desire for how amazing God is for us. It's out of desire to be beautiful for him. And so that's the, that's the most important thing that I'm, I'm, I want to say. So if you, if you want to daydream, you can go back now, but that... <laughs> That needs to be said because I'm not, I am not putting works on anybody. I'm not making anybody feel condemned. This is a desire thing. This is no 
that you were made beautiful and good and lovely and, and in God's image. And he wants you to be ready for him when he comes back. And, and, and it, is, it is purely a desire. It is purely a love thing. And that's sort of, in my mind, knowing this is the journey from spiritual milk to spiritual food that's talked about in Hebrews a little bit, is this, this idea that you are pursuing God for desire of his goodness and for his desire of you. Um, okay, so we're going to go into the, the sort of um, last bit, the results, the other parts of Psalm 27, the results for this sort of living, the results of living as if the one thing that you seek is the presence of God and, and his goodness and his beauty. So the, the, the three things I came up with that I found throughout the psalm, is, and I'm going to list them off. I think I have a slide, um, if you can skip to that, Alec. It's, um, I think, the, the next one. Yeah, the results. Okay, so the three things I came up with. Righteous confidence, and I pulled that from whom shall I fear? Though an army besieges me, my heart will not fear. And then he, he uh, literally says, I will remain confident because I will see the Lord. Um, and so this, this sort of righteous confidence um, is, is one of the things that you get from a life of pursuing God. And, and when you know God is good and he's going to guide you, um, you, are, you are able to, to, to fight off anxiety and fear because you're, that's, that's where you get your confidence. And, and I, I, I liked, I'm going to talk about this a little bit, but confidence is, this is important, confidence is not arrogance um, at all. And, and, and arrogance is this, you know, arrogance is boastful. But more subtly, arrogance can be insecurity. Arrogance can be sort of false humility where you're, you're talking about, um, you're getting, you know, invited to play some music and you're like, oh, you know, he... He or she is a good guitar player, a good singer, and you're like, no, I'm, I'm terrible, I'm horrible, I'm not good at all. That, that is more similar to arrogance than it is to humility. Because humility is seeing yourself how God sees you. Humility and confidence are much more similar than um, humility, you know, and, uh, than confidence and arrogance. So, so when you pursue God, you gain both a confidence and a humility that come from God. Because what makes you confident that God is good, he loves you, he created in your image, also makes you humble because you were created by God and you're to submit to him and he, he has control over all, all things. So it, they, they go hand in hand. Um, but that's righteous confidence uh, is, is one of the things we, we receive. The other is protection. Um, th- this, is, this is simpler, you know, when we, when we trust in God and we love him, you know, David talks about these things, how he will hide him in his temple during, um, you know, when people rise up against him. And this isn't always physical protection, but it's, it's spiritual protection and it's, it's emotional protection. And it's um, the ability to have joy and, and um, persevere through hard times. This is sort of the, the protection that he provides as well. And then the final one was, was fulfillment and, and meaning. And, the, you know, this is the idea that, that I was mostly talking about, about how... We gain, you know, we gain so much from pursuing this life of, of just fulfillment, and there's so much exciting about it. And um, yeah, it's just a really beautiful, beautiful journey. Um, can you go the other way, Alex? Sorry, I, I think I put these out of order. Um, so I'm just going to go over the the um, this is like the summary of, of of what I'm saying. If you weren't paying attention, if you if you get these three things at MCG and you just you say them, then you'll think you're paying attention. But the first is 
reorientate your life with God at the center. So that's the idea of that, that God is not the stopgap. God not, is not the outside of your life that makes you comfortable. God is the center of your life, the focus of your life. God is everything in your life. Um, surrender. That's, I mean, that's, I said the stopgap, but surrender. Surrender to God. Make Jesus your king. Um, he is a good king. He will guide you better than you can guide yourself or that any other person can guide you. Um, and I said, make your king already. Um, and then just finally, the, the summary, the last thing I want to say um, is, is what, what the psalm says, and it's, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And, 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 and it's that simple. He, he's good. He does it all. But this is, this is not, it wasn't me who decided that it was a good idea to surrender to him. It was him who decided it was a good idea for me to surrender to him. And, and, and it was him who, who put people in my life to get me there. It was him who, who touched my heart at the time. And it, it was him who, who will take you on that journey. Um, so, so be encouraged. Um, don't, uh, don't think that you've got tons of work to do or anything, but pursue God wholeheartedly. wholeheartedly. Make him the one thing in your life. Um, and, yes, that's, that's it. The, I, I, two practical things I want to say. Uh, we haven't made an announcement for a long time, but we still do prayer room at 7 a.m. Tuesday mornings here in the ledge. Uh, what that is is we just come together and we're gathered around the presence of the Lord. Um, I started that personally because I like the idea of waking up in the morning and reading my Bible. I'm very poor at doing it. Um, and so if I made a meeting in a gathering place at 7 a.m., uh, where I said the doors would be open, I, had, I would have had to come. And, and, and that, that's pretty much the sole reason I do it. Um, so, so show up if that's you, and um, we, we, we pray, we read a bit of scripture, and, and, and it's, it's pretty, pretty open and fun. Um, with that, I, I am, I'm sort of putting out the call, and I, I haven't spoken to anyone else about this, but I would love to see that grow by somebody else to open a new hour during the week, here or, or wherever at your home, where that's also an option. So you're saying, this hour of my week, a week has 180-something hours in it, uh, one of those hours is dedicated to reading Scripture and worshiping the Lord, and I'm going to say, everybody's invited to that hour. So I'm putting that call out. If anybody feels compelled to be in the presence of the Lord, this is the prayer room growing from one hour to two hour. And I, I, I'll be there. I'll join. But I want somebody else to, to, to lead it out um, if, if you feel compelled. Um, and it doesn't have to be immediately, whenever. Um, and then, you, yeah, finally, if you, if you are in the boat of, I said finally like six times. If you are in the boat of, you know, you've put your faith in Jesus Christ. You believe that he has saved you and you're, you, you, you have faith in him. But, but, but that's it. You, you believe in God, but that's it. You're, you are not yet pursuing him. I just Today when we do communion, I just, just say to yourself or to somebody next to you, Lord, your life, my life, Lord, my life is yours. Say it out loud and, and, and make that commitment. And then you'll start to see how he works that out for you. Um, and if you've already done that or you've done it multiple times, maybe do it again. Just recommit your life. Um, renewing of that vow that my life is yours. Um, and if you aren't there yet, if you've, you know, I believe in Jesus, but I don't really want to give up the things I, 
you know, come talk to me or somebody and we'll, we'll, we'll go through the process of why, why you're not ready to give up your, your own life or the way you think your life should be and, and, and over to God. Um, but that's it. Thank you so much. Um, I think communion. I'll, I'll, I'll pray quickly. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, yeah, we, we're here for you. Um, we thank you for your word, for your scripture, for, um, yeah, your love that you've, you've rescued us, that you've saved us from our sin. Um, but it, it doesn't stop there, that you've called us um, to join you on a journey, to follow you um, um, to the cross and, 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 and to the resurrection and, and beyond, to the, to the life after and to, um, yeah, to, to uh, forever with you in your presence. So, yeah, we love you. We thank you. Um, you are so beautiful, so good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.